You're listening to Advancing Our Church. Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. And I'm your host, Jim Friend. Welcome back, everybody. We have another great show for you this week with our guest, Lisa Quist. But first, if you've been following the weekday readings this past week and again this past Sunday, you've undoubtedly noticed that Jesus has been talking a lot about money in the Gospels. And of course, as a community that is focused on stewardship and advancement, I couldn't pass this one by. Why does Jesus talk about money? Well, it's because it's a reality for all of us. It's a common denominator that we all share. Even in his day, money or some form of trading was the way people survived. So this past Sunday, we read this great story again about how Jesus observes the widow at the well and how she gave two small coins. And Jesus describes how she put more in the treasury than everyone combined because she gave all she had. John Paul II described what she did as the law of the gift, and I think it's a spirituality and an understanding that we all must know as journeyers on this road to Catholic stewardship. The law of the gift essentially says that we become fulfilled only when we learn how to give more completely of ourselves. We empty ourselves and trust that by following God's will, we will fulfill his plan for our lives. Now, remember the scripture from Philippians chapter 2, 6-8. Though he was in the form of God, Jesus did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave coming in human likeness and found human in appearance. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Those are some of my favorite scriptures, and I want you to meditate on a few of those this week. That great expression of stewardship is Jesus' sacrifice for us. On the cross, the Son of God emptying himself for us, and in return, we have eternal life. That's why the widow's sacrifice is so important. She gave everything. And when we think about Christ's sacrifice for us in exchange for eternal life, it puts into perspective how we should be sacrificing for others. And that's not a bad way to think about how we should be preparing for the upcoming season of Advent, remembering why Jesus came into this world. So think about that this week, and I'll leave a link to the scriptures in our show notes. Now, let's get to work. As I said this week, I had the opportunity to reconnect with Lisa Quist, who has taken a new position with the Franciscan Friars of Atonement as the Executive Director of Mission Support. And we also had a conversation about year-end giving again this week. So I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. And without further ado, here is Lisa Quist. Welcome, Lisa. Welcome, everybody, to Advancing Our Church. How are you doing today, Lisa? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you, Jen, for having me. So glad to have you here. We were together at the beginning of the year on a panel where we talked about fundraising in 2021. And I guess today we'll get to talk about how that all went for us, huh? (laughs) Yes, exactly. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest, uh, Lisa Quist. She is the Executive Director and Chief Development Officer for the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. She recently joined the Friars just over a month ago. As the Executive Director, she provides strategic leadership of a comprehensive and multi-channel fundraising program that generates revenue to support the ministries of the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. Prior to joining the Friars, Lisa served as the Chief Development Officer for the Edmonite Missions, located in Selma, Alabama, where she led all of their philanthropic strategies that supported the missions 
transformative, life-saving, and life-changing programs. She also served as the leader of the gift planning division of the mission advancement team at the Mary Knoll Fathers and Brothers, where she successfully led the major gift and plan giving program. Throughout her 12 years of leadership at Mary Knoll, Lisa demonstrated her proven success in the areas of team development, project management, strategic planning, and the integrated donor relationship management. Lisa holds a master's degree in organizational leadership and has earned professional certificates in fundraising from Boston University and strategic human resource planning from the University of Michigan. She served as the vice chair of the National Catholic Development Conference and is now an advisory board member of the Nonprofit Alliance's Catholic Development Council. She is committed and dedicated to sharing her love of mission with others and to helping those most in need. Lisa is also the former religious education program coordinator of her local parish that was comprised of nearly 200 students, where she also serves on the pastoral council. Welcome again, Lisa. Great to have you here today. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for having me. I didn't realize that uh, we both had a background in being religious education coordinators. I started my career as a youth minister, and then I coordinated religious education program for a parish for about six or seven years. So... It was a great start to my, so you, you never know how you're going to wind up in philanthropy. I, I didn't think I'd be going into philanthropy at that point, but here we are. <laughs> Absolutely. And and I did that on the side. So if you can recall how busy that type of role is. Yes. Definitely I mean, takes up your time. 200 kids. Absolutely. And the families and the sacramental preparation programs and the weekends and the retreats and stuff. It was, it was a fun time in my life. Sometimes my wife would come in and, and we do some of the stuff together, but yeah, I, at the, Towards the tail end of it, I did that as well as another full-time job myself. So uh, it was it was a great time. Now we had kids and, and we started our own youth ministry program at home. So there you go. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, it's rewarding. It's a rewarding experience too. Think of all of the students who go through the program who receive the sacraments. For me, that was always the most rewarding part. Yeah, exactly. I, I look back and some of them I've met, you know, since then, years later, and they have their own kids and they still call me Mr. Friend, and I think, oh no, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. But yeah, no, a lot of great memories, a lot, a lot of fun. A great way to start. So, tell us a little bit about the uh, the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. Where are they based at? So we are based in Garrison, New York, but also the area is actually called Graymore. Franciscan Friars of the Atonement actually is celebrating its 124th anniversary in 2022, and it's often referred to as the Holy Mountain one of the most beautiful places. I've been fortunate because I worked on the grounds of the Marinal Missions as well. And when I come here, you still get that sense of uh, belonging. And when you pull up this mountain, truly it's a mountain, as you come up, you're surrounded by the Catskills, the beginning of the Catskill region. And it's it's just a spectacular area. And I can overlook right now, actually, the, the really? leaves and all the different colors and and there, we have a lot of um, inspirational, um, we have St. Francis and St. Anthony, and, and, and we just have a lot of spiritual statues and monuments on the ground. So it's truly a beautiful piece of property here. Do you get a lot of visitors? We do. We do get a lot of visitors. Of course, COVID has cut that back a little bit, but we, we do still get visitors, um, and we're getting ready to, to really open up our retreat center again, to get the bookstore open again. You know, it's a wonderful place. It's a place where everyone is welcome. 
Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, our mission of unity or, or at one mint, we are continue to strive for because, you know, our goal and, and our mission is to heal divisions and to really find ways to bring God's people together. So a lot of people come to the Holy Mountain just to do that, to, to be able to, to be at one, at one with themselves, at one with others and at one with God. That's beautiful. Beautiful. So is your mission centered basically where you're at or, or is, does it have a, a wider reach? No, we definitely have a wider reach. You know, it was our founder, Father Paul Watson, who was really inspired, you know, back in 1893 when he was first, you know, reading in the Bible where he says, you know, we, we joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. And so he he made this our place where we would begin to share that message, to get that message across. And we are throughout the United States, and then we are in Italy and in Japan and Toronto. We are continuing to deliver that message. And our founder had chosen St. Francis of Assisi as his patron. Francis said, we have been called to heal wounds and to unite what has fallen apart and to bring home those who have lost their way. And I think in the world we live in right now, I think we've sort of have felt that for the last couple of years that we've lost, we've lost our way for sure. And so our ministries, you know, they're current, they're life-saving. You know, Father Paul Watson also devoted himself to St. Anthony of Padua, the wonder worker, and really relied on him. And we have beautiful devotionals to St. Anthony here that have touched people all around the world and continue to touch people around the world. And we have a variety of ministries that are doing that around the world that are serving to this cause of unity in, in, in a variety of ways. So, you know, the fires do so much work in promoting that message from healing and rehabilitation programs here at our St. Christopher's Inn. And also the Do Not Fear to Hope, which is our outreach for the HIV AIDS support group. And then, of course, along with the pastoral work through the Holy Mountain Franciscan Retreat Center, we're able to offer retreats and educational programs year-round. And you can find the flyers and parishes throughout the world and fostering a spirit of ecumenism. And the flyers are really devoted to ecumenism. Sometimes it's hard to get that word out, isn't it? (laughs) Ecumenism. (laughs) Which began really back in 1908. It was Father Paul Watson who actually established the octave of prayer for Christian unity. And Mm -hmm. now that is known as the week of prayer for Christian unity, which takes place annually in January Mm -hmm. 18th through the 25th. So it's always that same week. It's a reminder for us of bringing people together during that week of prayer. And it also brings us back to what really is the greatest glory of Father Paul's life, which was the establishment of what we call the union that nothing be lost. And that really just ties back to with Jesus, with the the gathering of the fragments that remained. And he said that, you know, with nothing be lost, when he multiplied the the five barley loaves and two fishes to feed the 5,000. So we live those words that nothing be lost every day. But, you know, around the world, we are promoting the idea around 
the ecumenical and interreligious work that's vital, that, that's promoting unity and an understanding of people of all faiths. And in Italy, in Rome, we have the Centro Pro Unioni, which is where we have all our ecumenical research and other documents that's helping other religious institutes around the world to promote this idea of, you know, interreligious dialogue. But, you know, like I said before, our outreach is, is diverse. We've got a beautiful Graymore book and gift center. We've got that Nothing Be Lost thrift shop where all the items that are sold there, they actually, all the proceeds go to help the men that are in our St. Christopher's Inn, which is a recovery community. Of course, we have the San Damiano Farm, which is associated with the St. Christopher's Inn. So that's where the men are able to have their community and their they're, they come together and we've put together these beautiful farms and we've had farm markets and, you know, local markets every Sunday where they're able to sell different items. And of course, there's the award-winning radio drama called the Ave Maria Hour, which carried Christ's message into the homes across land. And we yeah, actually, that was revived in 1998. Are you familiar with the Ave Maria Hour? Yeah, I've heard it many times. Beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful and it's still enjoyed today. And we've actually just, you know, we've been able to get them up back up on YouTube and on our website so people can really enjoy them. So it's truly a, an amazing place. It really is. It sounds like it. The themes of unity, so important today when you see what's going on around the country with political unrest and racial unrest. And uh, it could never not be a better time for your ministry, for your mission than there is today. That's for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, it's such a welcoming place as well. And, you know, we're fortunate because our founders caused for his canonization was opened back in 2015. And I know in 2017, they got the documents and the artifacts that were basically sent to Rome. But that's a that's a, a process in which it takes time. But we look forward to uh, maybe one day seeing that come to fruition. But he had a vision and, you know, he, he carried it through and and what he tried to accomplish in terms of the unity and, and the weekly prayer and it has continued and continues to, to grow strong. Mm. So. You know, it's ironic. I'm, I'm taking a class on um, Christology right now for my diaconate studies. Just last night, I was reading about St. Francis, actually more specifically St. Bonaventure, who studied under the Franciscan spirituality. And I learned a little bit more about Francis than I knew about him before, but you know, he was a big believer in, in education but only education through the lens of our spirituality and devout prayer life that Francis felt, and so did Bonaventure, that, you know, if used in the wrong way, education could be used as a weapon. It could be used to be divisive. This notion that seeing it through the lens of prayer and through our faith is just so critical to really bringing education and spirituality together and, and bringing understanding. And, and the theme for that was also unity. So... Yeah. God, God had a plan. That was how I was preparing for this discussion today, Lisa. Well, it was perfect. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> so you're pretty much brand new to your role there a little bit over a month now. Tell us a little bit about your new role with the Friars. Sure. So right now I am serving as, as you said, I've only been here about a month, serving as the executive director of mission support. 
and the chief development officer for the Franciscan Friars, Mm -hmm. um, but also for the St. Christopher's Inn, which is one of our ministries, but is a separate entity. Um, Mm -hmm. So I do help with their mission support efforts as well, working directly with our minister general and our COO. And uh, we're working on the strategic and operational planning. And of course, I'm managing all of the fundraising efforts in line with the Friars Catholic values, mission and vision. Going to be quite busy, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) but enjoyable. So I'm, I'm very happy. Like I said, I feel so fortunate to be here. Well, and it's always fun when you take over a development shop because you, you know, you, I'm sure you're inheriting some things, but now you also get the opportunity to kind of put your own experience into it and, and, and your own vision. That's always kind of fun when you start over with a clean slate in some ways. Yes. Yes. And, and actually my, my, my predecessor is, is still with me. She's moving on for a new journey, but she's actually with me for another two weeks. So she's been spending a lot of time, which was, which has been wonderful with, the history, and then, you know, some of the planning, they have a very strong program. And so I think that I am fortunate that she has been on board mm-hmm. and has continued to sort of show the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's provided me with the opportunity to see what else could be done. But it's it's really a spectacular program. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. As I looked at your credentials, your master's in organizational leadership, I'm sure has served you well as you've worked with different kinds of organizations. And I know you haven't been there for very long, but how do you see this ministry being different from other ministries that you've served? You know, I've really been so fortunate. I've had the privilege of working with the Maryville Fathers and Brothers, the Edmundite mm-hmm. Missions, and now, of course, the Franciscan Fires of the Atonement. And, you know, what I have seen is, and I have witnessed, is the commitment of the religious and how they give their lives to, you know, to promote the gospel. And it's mm-hmm. it's been rewarding. What I also have learned is that we are all co-ministers in this effort. Yeah. At Maryknoll, we would call ourselves missionary disciples because mm. that's truly what we are. We were there to working towards the same goal to share God's love with everyone. And mm. now here I am, you know, at the Franciscan Friars, and it's still the same message. We're being called, you know, co-ministers, which means the same thing because we're all working towards the same, you know, vision and mission and at the Edmundine Missions, we were committed to the same kind of mission because that was through the corporal works of mercy, ensuring that no one went hungry, that everyone was given the opportunity to live out their lives, to, to have their own vocation and to do so with dignity. So it's really been such a mix of experience, but all of the programs are working towards the same goal of really just sharing the gospel and to be able to help and serve others the way we were all put on this earth to do so. And you, you speak it so well, I'm, you know, as you, as you're talking, I'm just reminded that those of us that have served or, or do serve in Catholic missions, it's more than just another fundraising job. It's part of our Catholic identity. It's a part of who we are as people. And, you know, just listening to you talk, it's so important also to really what I'm hearing you just immerse yourself into the mission so that you can you, you see yourself as more than just here to raise money, here to keep the operation going, 
but to be a partner in that ministry and to be able to speak of the mission as as a partner with the friars, you know, a lay person in this ministry with them. It's more than I think. And then I think when that spills over into the conversations, I'm sure that you've had in your career with other with donors or potential investors, people who want to to double down and be a part of this in a financial way. Right. Absolutely. You have to have the passion and you have to have the, as you said, that Catholic identity really helps you to be a part more of of the ministry that you're involved in. It's no longer let, you know, come in and do your job and finish out your day. It's what can you accomplish and really whose lives are you touching doing that? That's mm-hmm. how I look at it. Mm-hmm. It sounds like also their ministry is rather diverse. The um, the Christopher House for Addictions is that one is that one that's located near you, or is that is that replicated in other areas? Yep, it's right here, right down the hill, actually. Oh, okay. So when you pull, yeah, when, as soon as you pull into our property, the mm-hmm. Franciscan Sisters are on the right. You come up the hill a little further. St. Christopher's Inn is on the left. That's so it's, yeah, so we're all on this one campus. So it's mm-hmm. you know it's 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 really a blessing in that way. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. So Lisa, one of the kind of the continuing segments we're having over the, over these couple of weeks here, as uh, folks who are listening, probably yourself included, thinking about year-end strategies for donors and how are we thinking about closing out the year strong in 2021. Are there some strategies that you'd recommend to folks or some ways in which you're thinking about closing out the year successfully? Well, pray, (laughs) pray, (laughs) pray that first pray that things come off the docks because we're all experiencing that right now where a lot of our materials that we want to share with our donors are sitting on the docks waiting to be loaded into trucks and then delivered to where they need to go. Pray that they discover another forest of trees because the cost of paper is also causing some concerns, I think, for a lot of individuals, you know, across various organizations. But I would say that really, you know, maximizing your your end strategies really goes around touching your donors in as many ways as possible. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some people will say, and I don't know if you remember this, but in the days of religious education with seven being the magic number, seven sacraments, seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Well, seven is the magic number here too, because how many times can you try to stay in touch with your constituents? Seven seems to be that magic number. So you want to ensure that you're getting your mailings out, continue your outreach in both print, but also to do it digitally. You want to include the celebration of the upcoming seasons of giving, inviting individuals to support your ministries, both in prayer and with special gifts. Mm-hmm. It's important to make sure that they understand that their prayers, their intentions are so important to us as well. You know, ensuring that we get that in, especially this time of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think too, especially with everything that has gone on over the last couple of years and you know, individuals being not well, it's so important and and the amount of prayers and intentions that are needed. So we definitely want to put a stress stress on that. Definitely including a URL on every everything that you do is is also very important. And if you can create dedicated landing pages to to go along with those URLs, that way you can track, you know, really the gifts that are being received 
but then also identifying the interests and what your donors are actually responding to. And as we said, when we were together back in January, to be relevant, be relevant with the times, you know, make sure that your messaging is relevant and you're not using phrases that, you know, we miss you may not be the most appropriate or at this point, considering Mm -hmm. everything that we've gone through with COVID and, and, and people have lost people in their lives. So, so make sure your messaging is, is relevant to the times that we're living in right now and integrate, integrate every way possible. So URL on mailings, digital ads, Facebook ads, Facebook posts, email campaigns. That's where all those touches come in. Yep. Because then they see them, they see them wherever they are, you know, reach out to those donors who have historically given gifts from their IRA, uh, donor advice fund, gifts of securities. You can ask them to support your ministries with a similar gift. So make a special outreach to those individuals or, or make a checklist, just reminding them that year end is coming. And if you're looking to make a special gift, here are some ways you can do it and make sure that it's postmarked because if you want it to count in this year, so uh, sort of like a little checklist is always very um, helpful. Not a complicated one, but you know there are individuals who um, the tax incentives are important to them. Um, yeah. So it's not usually the number one reason, but there are many donors who who are interested in those tax incentives. So it's important to include those to to help them understand what how you can help them maybe save a little bit, but also support your ministry. And make mm-hmm. personal contacts, make personal contacts whenever Huge. possible, mm-hmm. phone calls, Zoom calls, look for every event or uh, every opportunity, I should say, just to maybe not just to, to, to reach out to make the ask, but actually just to say thank you. Right. Just to say thank you for your faithful friendship. Remind them that without them, we are nothing. You know, make those warm touches, the prayers, Thanksgiving prayers, Christmas prayers. We've got some uh, giving days coming up. You've got Giving Tuesday. You can be pushing Amazon Smile because the Amazon Smile Foundation, if you mm-hmm. have that set up. Now, How do you feel about Giving Tuesday, Lisa? Are, are you uh, a big advocate of that or do you do your own giving day? I, I feel like it's like a lottery. You got to be in it to win it. <laughs> to be honest <laughs> You're with right. you, I think that we all need in our own way mm-hmm. to go out on Giving Tuesday with our own message. I know, you know, at the Edmundite Missions, we kicked off Giving Tuesday with the season of giving and then each week focused on a theme and, you know, around the pillars of our mission. And this year I would, you know, be looking to do something similar. It's not just about Giving Tuesday, but it's about that whole season that really kicks off on Giving Tuesday. Right. I had more success with that last year than I have had with Giving Tuesday in the past. So Hmm. I think it's because... Giving Tuesday is such a wonderful day, but I also feel like there's so many opportunities and so many ways. So you have to find the message that's going to get to your donor to see how they can support your organization in comparison to all these other organizations that are probably asking for the same same gift, same day. So promote your success. You know, use Mm -hmm. social and email. And if you have um, relationships with local papers and resources, you know, get get your message out, you know, that way as mm-hmm. much as you can. 
and utilize your board, of course. The board is there. If you have a board, definitely ensure that they're participating and supporting your ministries. And of course, we have to plan for the continue. As we're closing out one year, we're already, well, most of us are actually in July when it comes to direct mail. But in terms of um, planning for the continued success for 2022, we have to do that now and consider some of the things that we sort of open the conversation about jokingly about, you know, the uncertainties of the increased costs of the paper and the delayed mailings, but prepare now. Don't mm-hmm. wait. So have a backup plan. Start yeah. thinking about what to do if for whatever reason you can't make that mail date or right. if you have to reduce your quantities. Have a backup plan in place so that you don't have to have a whole entire campaign not perform as well because of these other uncertainties. So I think that's probably a biggie right now since a lot of organizations are sort of going through the same thing. So it's like you're still fundraising for this year, but you got a plan already for next year. Yeah. You know, as you were talking about some of the engagement pieces, it reminded me of some of the things I've done in the past. I uh, I worked with a bishop in the Thanksgiving season. We always found it to be a good time to thank folks, obviously. Um, so I would give him the top four, a list of the top 40 donors, and he would call them just to thank them before the uh, end, before the, during the Thanksgiving season, before any year-end appeal went out. The leader of an organization can't call everybody, but you know, even if they can hone in on those top tier donors, uh, he was very willing. He'd make those calls in the car, you know, or on the run. He would just call them. Some a lot of times he left a voicemail, but just getting that little call from the head of the organization, especially in this case, a bishop, uh, made an impact on people. The other thing that I was remembering is for anybody who's serving in a parish, but you know, I think any organization benefits from this. Obviously, many of us send out Christmas cards, but I worked with a pastor who would hand sign all 1,200 Christmas cards and make sure that it got there by the first week of December. I think the timing is also important. If you want something like that to impact giving, you have to get it to them early enough so that folks can respond to it. But he was convinced that hand signing all of those uh, individual Christmas cards made a difference because people can tell, you know, they look at the signature, they can tell that he took the time to sign it. In some cases, he might write a little note and, you know, he might spend a couple evenings in front of the television doing that, but he was happy to do it and we slapped it together for him. But those little things, those little touches, I think are meaningful for people. Yeah, those personal touches definitely make a difference. And I would agree, just those simple phone calls make such a difference. They Mm -hmm. really do. Absolutely. Any more observations or thoughts on uh, year-end strategies or things that you're going to be focusing in on, uh, you know, in in your new role this year or in in the coming year? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's everything above that I just mentioned. But I, I also think, I think digitally, we all have to think about ways in which we can we can grow more. Um, I think there's more opportunities for us out there. You know, I know the work we're doing here is fantastic and I'm actually excited about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But of course, I'm going to be looking for more ways to, to supplement what we're doing already. Look at ways in which our major gift and plan giving department, for example, to grow or do things differently. You know, I think there's a lot of opportunities here Mm -hmm. for me. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Let let me ask you this question, a little bit impromptu, but you're a brand new development director, you know, chief development officer for an organization. 
What's your biggest focus in the first 90 days? You first take the job. What are, what are you looking at? I mean, you can't look at everything. And in many ways, you know, I've taken jobs where you feel like you're kind of, they say, drinking from the fire hose and you are. Mm-hmm. But, um, but what's the most important thing to you? What are you doing in the first 90 days? For me, I mean, it's been different at each place that I've been to here. It's the people, hmm. the people that are making this work possible. So I've been spending a lot of time with each and every individual here in the department. Mm -hmm. Um, We've had some changes too, which have added to that. So of course, you know, it's, it's really just getting to know the people, the processes, how can I make their job more? How can I make them feel more successful? How can I make them feel rewarded? How do Mm -hmm. I help them understand the importance of their role here with the Friars. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's gonna, that's really my number one goal. Yeah. Um, and then of course, you know- Doing a lot I, of listening, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do. You have to do a lot of listening and mm-hmm. then you know take what you've learned over your experience and see how things that you know have worked. Mm-hmm. How can you bring those to the table here to help them feel successful, to feel like mm-hmm. they're accomplishing and to really understand their vital role here with the fryer. So I think that's going to be a big step. And then, of course, figuring out more ways to continue to grow a program that has done very well. But yeah. with each and every goal, there, there's a stretch goal. And so that's what we're looking at. We're looking at now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we have an increased goal for the year. So my task is to figure out, okay, are we going to reach that goal, but not me? How are we as a team going to reach this, reach this goal? Yeah. Um, and our corporate partners, they're, they're also part of that. So mm-hmm. we work together, you know, we have weekly meetings and everybody's on. That's what, what I really enjoy so far is that everyone is on board. You mm-hmm. can hear it in every voice. And when you have a corporate partner on the other side, and you feel like you're sitting with the same person who's here in the office, you know that it's moving in the right direction. You know, I think that's something that I'll be really looking to continue and mm-hmm. to um, just keep, keep, keep going, keep moving it forward together. So. That's awesome. Well, I can see why you got the job. I didn't mean to give you another interview question in the middle of that, no, but. That's okay. <laughs> but that was great. So you mentioned corporate partners and you don't see a lot of corporate partners with religious organizations. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Well, these are long-term organizations that have been working with the Catholic nonprofit. Yeah. So they're, they're the leaders in the fundraising industry for the Catholic nonprofit arena. So, mm-hmm. um, and they have been working together here with, with the Friars uh, for many years. So mm-hmm. it's a nice, strong relationship. And, and um, like I said, I, I, you can tell because I really do feel like I'm just sitting with someone who's part of this home office right here. Mm-hmm. So. You really do learn so much in that first 90 days, obviously, as you said, getting to know the people on the team, getting to know the friars in your case and, and other lay people who work for the organization. And I, I've always also found it, and I'm, I know you do too, just when you hear what the donors have to say about the organization and why they support it, I think it's helpful also to help you develop your case for support and, and how you articulate 
it from some of, you know, from the almost the language and the words of some of the greatest supporters that are a part of the organization already. What is it that got them involved? Why did they stay involved? What's it about the mission? You learn a lot, I think, from looking not both on the inside out and on the outside in. Yeah, yeah. And I actually, I was only here a week, a week and a half. Yeah. We had our annual Sharing Hope dinner in New York City. Oh, nice. There were, yeah, there were 170 donors present. So it was a perfect opportunity for me to get to know some of the donors. And so I was able to walk around and try to greet and say hello to as many as I could. And it was just wonderful. And Mm -hmm. you can feel that sense of belonging and that sense of commitment to, you know, to the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. And everyone is there because of that commitment. It's that shared mission. Absolutely. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. I learned a lot from you, and I know that other folks here that are listening today did as well. Thank you. Thank you. And being that I'm only here a month, I know that I sort of rambled on about the the work that we're doing here, but I welcome everyone to visit atonementfriars.org if you really want to learn more about the work we're doing here. Absolutely. And and I will leave a link in the show notes to uh, Lisa as well as as the friars uh, so that you can reach out to Lisa and learn more about the friars. So thank you again. Wonderful to see you. Thanks so much for inviting me. Absolutely. Take care. God bless. Bye-bye. I want to thank Lisa Quist for being on our show this week and for sharing your wisdom and experience on year-end giving. And God's blessing on your new job, Lisa. The Friars of Atonement are certainly in good hands. And if you'd like more information about Lisa or the Franciscan Friars, please visit our episode's homepage at advancingourchurch.com, and I'll leave some links in the show notes. Well, that's our show this week. Many thanks to the Changing Our World podcast team and the Pottery Studios for another great show. If you'd like to help our show, please leave us a rating wherever you download this podcast. And for more information about our show and where to find us, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, and we are a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising both nonprofits and corporations for more than two decades. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Well, that's it for me, everybody. Have a great week. Take care and God bless.